Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 5, verse 36. And he spoke a parable to them. Jesus said, no one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also, the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled. And the wineskins will be ruined. But the new wine must be put into new wineskins. And both are preserved. Verse 37 again. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Or else the new wine will burst the old wineskins and be spilled. And the wineskins will be ruined. You'll lose both. You'll lose the new wine and the wineskin. But new wine goes into new wine skins, and both are preserved. Jesus is coming at a very controversial controversial time when he, when he came, when he arrived in the earth. It was a transition from the old into the new, from the Old Testament into the New Testament, from the old covenant to the new covenant. Jesus came to disrupt and challenge what we thought we knew, what we thought we believed, and what we thought we had heard. Jesus came to be a disruption, to challenge these things, to challenge what we think and how we think, to challenge the way that we lived. Um, he said all kinds of things that would not just be at the level that they had already believed to, we're talking about spiritual people, people that had already claimed to be following God and people that claimed uh, to be those that knew the scriptures. We know the ones that, uh, that Jesus challenged and disrupted the most were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the ones that thought they were the closest. You know, that happens at times in our lives when Jesus shows up. Um, that, you know, we have a list of things that we want him to change and take away and heal and, and mess with. But then we also have a list of things that we don't want him to touch. Everybody's got two lists. Everybody's got two lists. Everybody's got a list of things of, God, I want to give this to you, and I want to get rid of this, and I'm tired of living this way, and I'm tired. But then he's got the list of stuff that you don't want him to touch the stuff that you're okay with, the stuff that you want him to leave alone, the stuff that, uh, you know, you're comfortable with or familiar with. And I have found many times that God will mess with the list you don't want to touch to get to the list that, he, that you do want him to touch. That he'll start messing with all the stuff that you're comfortable with. And he'll start messing with all the, all the familiar and and, and, and so many times we have this response to God, but no, I, I didn't want to deal with that. I wanted you to deal with this. But what he's showing you is if you'd mess with this list, then you'll give him access to all of it. 
See, God is an all or nothing God. I said, God is an all or nothing God. He's not a 99% God. He's not a 99.9% God. He wants to mess with all of it. And he's disrupting and challenging and confronting things, uh, not because uh, he just wants to do, you know, wants to disrupt and wants to just mess with everything. He's doing it because there's something unhealthy in the process. There's something in that that's destroying you. There's something in that that is keeping you from something. And God wants you to have all of heaven available to you. God wants you to have all of heaven's uh, resources available to you. All of heaven's healing available to you. All of heaven's joy available to you. God doesn't want you to miss out on anything. I said God doesn't want you to miss out on anything. He wants you to have access to all of it. He is giving you the kingdom. Jesus said, uh, uh, do not be fearful, little children, because it is God's, it's my Father's good pleasure. He actually gets joy and pleasure when you have all of heaven at your disposal. All of heaven backing you. All of heaven's resources available to you. There's not one thing you lack as a believer in the kingdom of God. I know that that might challenge your current situation or how you're living, but I'm telling you it's available to you. It's available. He's not withholding anything. He's not holding back anything. He wants to make it all available to you, and he's giving you free access through his son, Jesus Christ. But the problem is, is this new wine in the old wineskins. New wine in the old wineskins. And what Jesus is saying is, if you try to put everything that I'm saying and everything I'm presenting in your old ideas, in your old ways, in your old forms, in your old patterns, in your old behaviors, and your old uh, uh, way of living, he said, you're going to lose them both. You're going to lose what you thought was productive in your life, and you're going to lose what I'm trying to give you. You're going to lose it all. So what is he saying? He's saying, You've got the wrong filter. If you come in here, this is at the beginning of Jesus' message, Jesus' ministry. He says, if you take everything that I'm ministering and everything you hear from me and you try to process it through your Old Testament ideas, you're going to lose it all. And so Jesus is saying, I'm not just coming to bring you new wine. I'm coming to bring you a new wineskin. I'm not just bringing you the stuff that will fill the container. I'm here to change your container. Come on. He wants to change it all. So you're trying to change his joy in your habits. You're trying to put his joy in your old ways of getting joy. You're trying to get his peace in your old way of getting peace. You're trying to get his love in your old way of finding love. Come on now. You're trying to get his identity, but you're doing it all the way you're used to getting your identity. And so he's saying, I'm not just coming to bring new wine. I'm bringing you a whole new wine skin. And then I'm going to fill it with my stuff. And it's going to be health to you. It's going to be life to you. But if you keep taking my stuff and putting it in your skin, you're going to lose it all. 
and it's a frustrating life to live. To constantly take the word that is ministered week in and week out, but processing it through your experiences and your ideas and your current situation. I mean, how many times do we put the word of God up against what we're currently going through and say, well, if this was true, this wouldn't happen. We do it all the time. We're always looking for something to evidence in the external, in the natural, that God's word really works. And all you're doing is you're taking new wine and you're spoiling it by putting it in your old wineskins. And Jesus is saying, I want to give you a whole new skin. I want to give you a whole new container. See, Jesus was coming to bring a message that wasn't just disruptive, it was actually controversial. And this is why they killed him. See, you will end up killing the very blessing that God's trying to bring you if you don't change the skin. And who were the ones that killed Jesus? It wasn't even the Romans. They executed it. They carried it out. But it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees that brought him to the Romans and said, if you don't do something with this guy, he's going to create a really big problem for us. It was the ones that thought they knew it all. It was the ones that didn't change the skin. It was the ones that wouldn't let Jesus mess with the container. It was the ones that they were whitewashed tombs. They thought it had, they had it all going on on the outside, but on the inside, they were just full of dead man's bones. You'll end up destroying the very thing that God is trying to bring into your life because we try to filter it through all of our stuff. We don't make very good filters when it comes to the kingdom of God. Our experiences are not, they're not very good filters. They, they don't work. They're not going to get the job done for you. And so Jesus is saying, if you are going to receive anything I, I have to say, you're going to have to change the filter. You're going to have to change the skin. You're going to have to change the container. He came preaching this message, his very first words when he began preaching. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. You can just write it down. Matthew 4, verse 17. Very first words after he received the Holy Spirit and began ministry, his very first words were, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near you. It's within reach, is what he's saying. It's at hand, within reach. It's right there. But you will not be able to receive it if you don't undo everything you know. Repentance is not coming to an altar and saying, I'm sorry. That's remorse. Remorse is not repentance. Repentance is my physical decision to turn a complete 180 from how I was going and going in the complete opposite direction. That's repentance. That's called changing the filter. That's called getting rid of the old wineskin and getting a new wineskin so that I can receive the new wine. You cannot get a new wineskin without repentance. You cannot, you cannot be in a posture of, I'm going to keep doing it my way and then be able to receive all that God has for you. You'll, you will ruin what God has for you and your way of doing it. You'll lose them both. He's saying, you might as well go ahead and get rid of the skin because you're going to lose it anyways. 
you might as well go ahead and change the container because you're going to lose it anyways. And you're going to lose what I'm trying to do in your life. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Y'all doing okay? If you receive this word, you will be doing a lot better in about 35 to 40 minutes. Don't hold me to that. The quicker you get it, the quicker I'm done. The louder you shout. Kyle's ready to go to lunch. Kyle's like, get us out of here. When the word is ministered, it'll do one of two things. Always does one of two things. It'll either build a new belief within you that was not there before. Or it will strengthen a belief that is already there. Every time you hear the word, it's either forming a new belief within you or it's strengthening something you already know. So whichever category you're in today, this message that I'm about to deliver, whether you are hearing this fresh for the first time, and man, that's exciting. There's nothing like hearing a word for the first time. But if you're hearing this repeatedly, if you've heard this before, if you've seen this before, then I pray it strengthens your faith and strengthens you in this arena. But regardless of what category you're in this morning, I believe that it will be life-changing. And I've always found that even when I'm hearing something repeated as a reminder, there's still something I get that I never saw before. And so I believe that that'll be the case. In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says this, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Everyone say helper. That he may abide with you forever. That means to live with you forever. I will pray the Father. You think God answers Jesus' prayers? I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him, nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Not only is he living with you, he's living in you. He's a part of you. You can't get any closer than that. John chapter 14, verse 25. John 14, verse 25. And we're going to look at a lot of scripture today. This isn't going to be so much preachy as it is teaching. John 14, verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, everyone say helper, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, He will teach you, and he will bring things to your remembrance. John 15, verse 26. 
John chapter 15. Some of y'all are starting to see the pattern in scriptures. Do not check out. That's what we do. Second, we start seeing familiarity. We start checking. Oh, yeah, that. Okay. Stay connected. John 15, verse 26. But when the helper comes, everyone say helper. Whom I shall send to you from the Father. Notice all three times he says, whom I will send from the Father. The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He repeats himself. He will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. When the helper comes, whom I shall send from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. John chapter 16, verse 7. John chapter 16, verse 7. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He's physically present with them on the earth. And he says, it's better for you that I go. It's better for you that I go to the Father. Because if I don't go, the helper, everyone say helper, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Four different passages between three different chapters, 14, 15, and 16. Jesus mentions right before he's about to leave the earth, sending the Holy Spirit to his disciples as a helper. As a helper. Four different times he uses the Holy Spirit, speaks of the Holy Spirit, and uses the word helper. A helper means an assistant. It means a standby. By the very fact that Jesus is even mentioning that he's going to send you a helper implies what? We need help. Look at your neighbor say, I need some help. Look at your other neighbor say, you need some help. Yeah, you, you need help. You're like, but I thought you just said there was greatness on the inside. There sure is. You need some help. We all need some help. We all need some help. And Jesus is making it very clear. It's, well, it won't be long. You're going to need some help. That implies a couple of things. One, whatever is ahead of me is greater than me. Whatever I'm being assigned to do or whatever I'm being called to do is greater than I am. I can't do it by myself. He wouldn't send you a helper if you didn't need one. Has anybody in the last 10 months said to themselves, I can't do this? Anybody? Couple, I got a couple honest folk 
rest of y'all, you need some help. You need the spirit of truth. Yeah, I think we've all at some point said, this is crazy. This is bigger than me. This is bigger than us. The bottom line is, is if we're doing life without the Holy Spirit, you're at a great disadvantage. You are at an overwhelming disadvantage in life. I would say probably 99% of the counseling and the guidance and the direction and the meetings that I have are with people that are not being assisted properly by the Holy Spirit. They are not relying on the Holy Spirit. The other 1% are relying on the Holy Spirit and they just have to be patient. But I'd say most in these last days don't even know who the Holy Spirit is, don't even know how he operates, don't even know what that means to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. In every single one of these passages, Jesus Jesus used the, the reference, he, 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 not it. It's a person. He's a person. And like any, any relationship in life, what I put in is what I get out. But the greatest deficiency in the church in the last days is the Holy Spirit. Not that he's not there and not that he isn't available. Remember, Jesus prayed to the Father that he would send you the Holy Spirit. So he's available. We just don't know about him, or we don't tolerate him, or we don't want to talk about him because that's weird. It's amazing this month, you know, October, the, the October 31st, it's amazing the things that we'll engage spiritually, but then I start talking about the Holy Spirit and we all, we get all weird. If you think that this life you're going through is just natural and it's just the natural course of life, you're, you are sadly mistaken and, and you are at a, a great disadvantage. We do not war against flesh and blood. November 7th, whoever is in that office, the Holy Spirit is still present in the earth with you. It's time that we got to shift our focus. It's time that we recognize that we have all the resources available to us that we need to overcome and be victorious and lead a victorious life. That doesn't mean that you won't have trials and, and, and tribulations. But I will tell you what, if you are going through trials and tribulations without the assistance and the help of the Holy Spirit, good luck. Good luck to you. He is a helper. He is a standby. He is an assistant. He he is an uh, uh, 
an advisor in your life. He will direct you and guide you and lead you. He will help you discern right from wrong. He will show you things to come. He'll remind you of things that Jesus said. He will be this leader and this guide in your life. But we don't give place. We love to talk about Jesus. He's in heaven. But we don't know very much about the person of the Holy Spirit, the the third person of the Godhead, and he resides and lives right here with you. He is with you. I would even venture to say, I don't know the statistics. I would even venture to say, I don't know the statistics, but I would venture to say that it is a minority of believers that, that pray in the Spirit and even know how to pray in the Spirit and exercise praying in the Spirit on a regular basis. But yet we are are told that we would speak with new tongues. Paul tells us, I wish you prayed in tongues. I, I pray more in tongues than all of you. Praying in the Spirit. If you don't pray in the Spirit, you're at a great, a great disadvantage. There is just about no greater way to build yourself up and strengthen yourself for what's ahead than to pray in the Spirit. And I don't care what you've heard about it. I don't care how weird you think it is. I don't care what they've told you. I don't care what you've experienced. I don't care what you've seen in churches. It's in the Bible. I said it's in the Bible. No wonder the enemy would want you to believe that praying in the Spirit is not for today or is demonic or that's not for everybody because he knows the power that's in it. I have ramped up praying in the Spirit in these last days. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 that when you pray in the Spirit, he prays on your behalf. He intercedes for you. I don't know about you. I'm thankful you're praying. I've had people tell me, Pastor, we pray for you. Thank you. But there ain't no better prayer than the one in tongues. He prays the perfect prayer every time. He says, when you don't even know what to say, he'll pray. Anybody ever prayed and didn't know what to pray? Pray in the Spirit. Praying in tongues. Four times he he references the Holy Spirit and he says, he's your helper. Matthew chapter 3. We need this helper. I said, we need this helper. When you come into the kingdom, and for those that might not be, you know, might be new to Anchor Faith, we talk about the kingdom a lot. We use that word a lot, right? Why do we use that word so much? Why do we use the kingdom so much? Because that's all Jesus talked about. That's all he talked about. See, we talk a lot about Jesus, but we don't talk a lot about what Jesus talked about. It's two different things. We preach about Jesus, but we don't preach the message Jesus preached. Jesus ministered, preached, spoke at length about the kingdom of God. 
And he was doing everything he could to try to reveal the kingdom of God to you. The kingdom of God is like a a lost pearl. And the the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And the, the kingdom of God is like a net that you cast out. The kingdom of God is like this. And the kingdom of God is like a master that goes on a long journey. I mean, he's constantly talking about the kingdom of God. You know why people are at such disarray about the government and everything that's going on right now? Because you got your trust in the wrong kingdom. You got your trust in the wrong government. God's answer for the world today is government. His government. With a king that has the people's best interest at heart. And so when you come into the kingdom, some of you may have heard of it as being born again or being saved, giving your life to Christ, making Jesus Lord making Jesus the Savior of your life, whatever you want to reference it as. When you come into the kingdom, you receive authority to operate in the kingdom of God. You're no longer a foreigner. You've come to the home country. And now you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. So you're given authority. You've been authorized to operate on behalf of the kingdom of God. You're not just a a spectator in the kingdom of God. You're not just a standby in the kingdom of God. You're not just going through life and hoping you make it to heaven one day. That's not what the kingdom life is all about. The kingdom of life is actively participating in what God is trying to do in the earth to get heaven to the earth. And you are an active participant. And every one of you are now the avenue or the channel through which God is getting the kingdom into the earth. And if you don't operate and activate that and participate with that, then it's not working through you, but it can. Every single one of you. It's not for pastors and teachers and ministers and fivefold and those that go to school. It's for every single, it's for children. Children can bring the kingdom of God into the earth. Children can show love where there's an uproar of hate. Children can bring, bring peace to a situation. Children can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Children can declare the word of God over something and and boldly speak it just as if Jesus was speaking himself. Children can do it. And many times children will participate much quicker than adults will. This is for every person. You come into the kingdom of God. You are now an active participant. You've been authorized. Look at your neighbor say, you've been authorized. You've got the authority. You've been authorized. Some of y'all talking real quiet like you. Some of y'all asked the question when I told you to, you've been authorized? Who put a question mark at the teleprompter? I've been authorized? No, I've been authorized, exclamation mark. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, and Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed it. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Verse 16, when Jesus came out of the water, 
the heavens open and he saw the Spirit of God. Jesus had to receive the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus came into this earth already authorized. He didn't have to get born again. He came in perfect. He's been authorized. You were authorized when you were born again. But there's another half to this that a lot of believers miss out on. It's called power. Authority without power to execute the authority is useless. To be in a position of authority, but to not have the power to execute the office of authority is useless, isn't it? What use is authority if I don't have the power to execute it? What use is being in a position of authority? We just sang it. We're seated at the right hand of the Father. You've given me all authority. You come into the kingdom authorized immediately. You don't have to qualify. You don't have to do this and that. You don't have to pass a test. You are authorized. But if you don't have the power, then what good is the authority? And the enemy knows this. If he can't keep you from being authorized, he'll keep you from operating in power. Now, power without authority is illegal. Power without authority is illegal. The devil right now is operating in the earth. He has not been authorized to do so. But he has power. The devil has power. Why do bad things happen? Because the devil has power. There, I just, some of y'all have been wondering that for 42 years. And I just answered the question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because the devil has power. But when I use power without authority, I'm operating illegally. And so it takes somebody with legal authorization and power to bind up the one that's operating illegally. Make sense? Just because I have a gun doesn't mean I'm authorized to use it. A police officer has both authority and power. The authority is in the badge. The power is in the weapon. Authority is important. You know, authority can stop a moving vehicle. Do you know that? That's how strong it is. It will stop a semi dead in its tracks. He holds that hand up. He has the badge on his shoulder. That thing is stopping. Now, he doesn't have the power to stop it. He has the authority. He doesn't have the ability, the physical ability. So in life, I need authority and I need power. Jesus came into this earth authorized. And the reason why he tells John, I have to do this, permit it to be so, is because I've been authorized, but I have to be legalized. I have to receive the power on my life. Prior to this occasion, Jesus has not performed one miracle. He has not ministered one message. He has not taught one teaching. He has not laid hands on anybody. He has not rolled away stones. He has not uh, uh, cured anybody. He has not 
laid hands on blind eyes and they opened. He hasn't, you know, told winds and waves to stop. Not without the power. The power is the physical ability. And the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus, one authorized. Jesus did not do what he did as God. Jesus did not do what he did because he was God walking on the earth. Jesus did what he did as a man, submitted to God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus did what he did as a man, submitted to God. If I don't submit to his authority, I can't be in authority. Some of y'all wondering why stuff isn't listening to you. It's because you're not listening to him. It's called chain of command. If I don't listen to the one above me, then nothing below me listens. I lose my authority. Jesus understood. You remember the Roman centurion that came to Jesus and said, my servant, he lies at home, but I know if you just speak the word, he'll be healed. Oh, I'll come lay hands. No, no, just speak the word. I know because I've seen you. I've been watching you. And you are a man that's under authority. And when you tell something to go, it goes. And when you tell something to come, it comes. I know, I see it because that's how I operate. I'm in authority. I'm, I'm a military guy. I know that the only reason my commands work is because I'm submitted to the one above me. Jesus was a man submitted to God, that's your authority, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the power. See, if, if Jesus did what he did as God, then forget you and I doing anything because we're not God. I said, we're not God. Jesus came. He was 100% flesh and 100% God, but he operated on this earth as a man, submitted to God and empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. I'll read this to you in the the New Living. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. See, when you live with the power of the Holy Spirit and you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you'll do more on accident than you would ever do on purpose. The believer was never designed to operate and live without the Holy Spirit, without his assistance. You weren't meant to. The reason why you're struggling is the reason why you maybe, maybe you're not struggling because you've accepted a lower level of living than what God has called you to. Because we all know how to get down into a comfort zone. 
But you know God put this calling on you, and you've brought it down. You've reduced it to, well, this is all I feel comfortable doing. Well, maybe you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you'll be taking on more than you ever thought you could, and you'll whip more than you ever thought you could. But a church without the Holy Spirit is weak. Doesn't have answers and solutions for the world. Or you might be able to give answers, but you can't produce anything. And Jesus didn't call us just to say, just to talk about it. He said the Holy Spirit is in action. It's in demonstration. It's not just what I talk about. It's what I do. Signs and follow. Signs and wonders follow the teaching of the word. I minister it. I teach it. And then I show it. I do it. Some of y'all are just getting already just like, Wait, what are, you, what are you saying? This, this isn't one of those messages I can just come and take notes and listen? You can. But I'm telling you, you were designed for far more. Designed for far more than attending something on a Sunday morning, checking off your box, taking your notes. You're designed for far more. I'll go a step further. This world needs far more. This world doesn't need a church that has all the answers. This world needs a church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know those disciples said that they turned the world upside down. I think the church has been undoing a lot of what the disciples did do. I think we've been turning it right side up again. We need a church in the last days that's going to turn it upside down again. We need a church in the last day. They're going to look at us. They're going to say, these guys are uneducated. They don't have it all together. They don't meet the criteria. But yet, but yet, but yet, they're turning the world upside down. I can't explain it, but he's caused our company to, to, to grow by a million dollars. I don't know why, but we're keeping them. We're not letting them go. It's because of the power of the Holy Spirit on your life, giving you God ideas to take things where they never could go on your own naturally. You were not designed to live by natural ability alone. None of you were. You know he anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus did not live in reaction to the devil. He lived in response to his father. Jesus did not live in reaction to the devil. He lived in response to his father. Are you getting this? Some of you are. It's the parable of the sower, man. Father, I pray our hearts are good ground right now. Good ground to receive this word. Do not let the enemy snatch this. This is what he does not want you to hear. That's why he's pushed on it for so long. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. New Living Translation. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. I said Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, comma, full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Jump on down to verse 16. Jesus, uh, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 16, when he came, Jesus, to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of 
Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to do what? To bring good news to the poor to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. If Jesus needed assistance from the Holy Spirit to fulfill his mission, then what makes you think you don't? If Jesus did not start, minister, say, speak, lay hands on, do anything without the assistance of the Holy Spirit, then why are we going through life as believers without the assistance of the Holy Spirit? Then Jesus takes it a step further. You could just write this down, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, Jesus calls together his 12 disciples. Y'all remember those guys? And it says that he gave them power and authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases. Let's Luke chapter 9, verse 1. He gave them power and authority. Why? I got to have both. Authority without power is useless. Power without authority is illegal. I got to have both. He gave them power and authority to cast out demons and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Uh, he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. John chapter 14, verse 12. I think we've got this one, John 14, verse 12 in the New Living. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me. So how do you qualify? You believe. Believe. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Why? Because I'm going to the Father. And why is going to the Father so important? Because that's how he sends the Holy Spirit. Anyone that believes on me will do the same works and even greater works. Jesus didn't come to this earth and do the miracles and the signs and wonders he did to show you what he could do. He came to show you what you could do. He came to show you what you and I ought to do should be doing. But when we shut the Holy Spirit out of our churches, we don't make room, or we have certain things like we're not going to allow da-da-da-da-da because it's too weird and it's questionable and controversial, well, then you're eliminating. See, the devil knows what he's doing. You think it's about tongues. It has nothing to do with tongues. In fact, if, if, if we removed the tongues 
portion of being filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, I'd have you all down at this, off, this altar this afternoon to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know it's true. Anytime we put a, a tangible or physical requirement on something, it reduces and challenges us. I'd have no problem if, if, if there was someone in this room, they just have, would have to overcome their shyness and their boldness. And, but if I gave a call to make Jesus Lord of your life, and someone came down here, their hair color wouldn't change. If they were short, they wouldn't get tall. If they were tall, they, you know, I tell people, you came down ugly, you're going to leave ugly. It's not going to change anything on the outside. And nobody in this room would doubt that they made Jesus Lord of their life and that they were now a part of the kingdom of God, would we? Wouldn't doubt it. Because there's no physical requirement. But healing and baptism of the Holy Spirit, things that have physical, tangible evidence, now all of a sudden we get stuck because the, the mind gets in the way. The only reason someone has a hard time speaking in tongues initially when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit is because their head's in the way. It's not hard. It's not hard. I, I've seen four-year-olds do it. I've seen eight-year-olds do it. I was that eight-year-old. It's not hard. It's yielding. In fact, kids have an easier time with it because their head doesn't get in the way. It's called Childlike faith. Childlike faith. You say, I need the Holy Spirit. You say, he's my helper. You say, I need assistance in life. I want assistance. I want help. I remember they told me when, 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 you know, when they were ministering, that the Holy Spirit would help you pass a test because he'll bring things to your remembrance. That's awesome. I, I need that. Yeah, give us double that, right? Yeah, as adults, we, we, we let our minds lock us up. So, so do, I do, do I do the talking? Do, do I move my mouth? It's all these. Yield to the Holy Spirit. He speaks through you, not for you. It's simple. The Holy Spirit is not complicated. It's not complicated. But the enemy will complicate things. So in Acts chapter 4, or I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, so we've seen that Jesus told us we need a helper, okay? Can't do life without him. Can't do life on my own. Jesus didn't even do life without the Holy Spirit. We just saw that. He was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with power. He didn't do what he did as God. He did what he did as man, submitted to God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And now, and then he gives it to his disciples and says, I'm authorizing you. I'm giving you the power and the authority. Go and do the ministry. Can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Can't do it without. But now he tells them this is after his uh, death, burial, and resurrection, right before his ascension, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Read this to you out of the Amplified. It says, but you will receive power 
and ability. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, I mean, that statement right there, why would I not want that? Why would I not want power and ability? Why would I, why would I say no to this? You will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. He tells his disciples, go and wait. Remember that Holy Spirit I told you about? He wants to come upon you. John baptized with water. That's acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord. But there's a baptism with fire. There's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit coming upon you. That is a subsequent act beyond salvation. And he says, go and wait. Don't do anything. Why? Because you can't. You'll try to do it on your own. And you can't. It's not in your power. And it's not in your ability. It's in his ability. So what do they do? They go and they wait. 120 of them in an upper room. In Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So who's doing the speaking? They are. Who's giving the utterance? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's giving them utterance, but they're the ones doing this talking. They're the ones doing the speaking. They're the ones. You have to physically move your mouth. You have to physically use your vocal cords, just like I'm using my vocal cords right now. Just like I'm speaking in English, I'm speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit speaks through me. This is when the disciples are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. And through the laying on of hands, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them Highly, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And they brought the sick out into the streets, laid them on beds in couches, that at least the shadow of Peter, this is social distancing healing line, no contact healing line, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people. They're bringing the sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were all healed. All, all of them. Every last one of them. Why? Because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now you're thinking, well, that was the apostles, right? That was those original initial disciples. They're special people. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. 
and it shall come to pass in the last days. How many of you believe we're in the last days? We're in the last of the last days. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God. I will pour out my spirit on who? All flesh. All flesh. I've looked that word up. All. It means all. In the Greek, it means all. In the Hebrew, it means all. In English, it means all. In Aramaic, it means all. All means all. He wants to pour his spirit out on all flesh. His spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. The third person of the Godhead. Don't put new wine in your old wineskins. My church. My denomination. This isn't a denominational thing. This isn't a Pentecostal. I've had people tell me that. Oh, I, you know, I thought this was a non-denominational church. Then we heard someone speaking in tongues, and we didn't realize we were coming to a Pentecostal church. No, you came to the church, his church. You came to the church of the living God that's empowered by the Holy Spirit and operates in the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and we operate in the speaking of tongues as the Holy Spirit gives utterance because that's what he does. Acts chapter 19. I'll just give you one reference. I don't have time for all of them. Acts chapter 19. You know, the only reason we even have the book of Acts is because of the Holy Spirit. If we don't have Acts chapter 2, we don't have the whole rest of it. Without this encounter, we don't have the Acts of the Apostles. We might just have the apostles. It might say the words of the apostles instead of the acts. It's called the acts. It's called the actions, behavior, the lifestyle of the apostles. Why? Because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit and he transforms everything and all of a sudden what seemed like it wasn't possible became possible because the one that does the impossible now lives inside of you. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some from some what? Disciples. So he's in Ephesus. He's in the region of Ephesus. And he found some disciples, believers, followers of God, right? They made Jesus Lord of their life. Whatever you want to call it, they're disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What does he mean? When you were born again, when you were saved, when you came into the kingdom, whatever reference you want to use, did you also receive the Holy Spirit? And they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And maybe that's you today. Maybe that's you today. I've never even heard of this Holy Spirit. I've never heard this message before. I've never heard anybody minister on the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that there was a subsequent act that followed salvation. I didn't know there was a third person of the Godhead that would come and fill me up. I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. I didn't know what he did. I didn't know how he worked. I didn't know why I needed a relationship with him. I didn't know what that meant to have a helper. This might be the first time you're ever hearing. That's okay. You're in a good group. You're in a safe place. They said, we haven't heard of this. And he said to that, well, into what, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Oh, that's not even Jesus' baptism. We got a whole, we got all new stuff, man. Let's revise this. 
You're in the old wineskin. We got new wineskins for you. Paul said, John indeed baptized with baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus because they had been baptized in the old way of baptizing prior to Jesus. What was John the Baptist doing? Baptizing people. He baptized Jesus. Jesus didn't invent baptism. This was prior. But then Jesus shows us a new way of baptism that is laying down the old and coming up with the new, a whole new life. The old is gone and the new has come. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. We didn't even know about this Holy Spirit. Worship team, if you come. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Maybe that's you today. Maybe I just answered a lot of your frustration because you've been trying to solve stuff on your own. You don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You don't have the Holy Spirit come upon you to speak in other tongues. That's not the purpose. But you will receive that. You will receive speaking with other tongues. And I tell you right now, it's the best thing. It's the best thing you'll ever experience in your life. I said it's the best thing you'll ever experience in your life. Your prayer life will go through the roof when you learn to pray in the Spirit. We got a lot of stuff in this earth going on right now. And I've run out of words for a lot of it. Actually, if I talked in English about it the way I wanted to, it wouldn't be very productive. So I've just given myself to praying in the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit for my president. I pray in the Spirit for this country. I pray in the Spirit for the current events that are tearing us apart. I pray in the Spirit for loved ones. I pray in the Spirit for those that I know are going through some very difficult situations in their life. And and I don't have any more answers in English. I I don't know any other way to help you. I'm done. I'm out. I can pray in the Spirit for you. Paul said, when you pray in the Spirit, you don't pray with the understanding. Understanding is unfruitful. That means I don't know what's being said unless the Lord wants to reveal to me what I'm saying and what I'm praying. It's not weird. I do it every day. I do it every day. I want to give you the opportunity these disciples at Ephesus had. You might be here today and say, never heard about this Holy Spirit. Well, the first step is you have to make Jesus Lord of your life. You have to be a disciple. You have to be a follower. 
You give your life to him. If that's you today and you have never given your life to Christ, you've never committed your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we want to help you with that today. We want to take that step with you today. It's the greatest step you'll ever make, giving your life to Him. There's no greater life. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.